When Iris was 13, church wasn't her favorite part of the week. Ick, church is so boring. Learning about some guy who's supposedly above everyone else. And then he gets killed. Yep, have a nice life, dude. (laughs) That's Iris sharing some teenage thoughts on religion. And this is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids. I'm Dan Meisner. This is a show where we remember the good, the bad, and the sometimes sacrilegious parts of growing up. This time recorded live at the King's Head Pub in Winnipeg, we have plans for revenge, poetry about chicken pox, and backhanded compliments in the form of career advice. This stuff is strange, it is delightful, and by reading it out loud, we can get a peek into our secret selves. So think about who you were when you were a kid, and stick around. Kids are often asked what they want to be when they grow up. But Iris, who we heard from at the top of the show, when Iris was 14, she wrote a diary entry all about what she wanted other people to be when they grew up. Here she is, live on stage in Winnipeg. Now I am going to assign careers to people I know. (laughs) Kaylee should be a nurse. She's really caring and gentle and dedicated and hardworking. She needs more self-esteem, though. And then she could teach in her spare time. Thomas wants to be a writer, but I've read some things he's written, and they're not that good. (laughs) Don't tell him I said that, though. He should be, I don't know, I can't see him at an office job, like an accountant. Video game designer, that's it, he suits that job. Mandy is hard, she's so good at math, it'd be a shame for it to go to waste. (laughs) But it isn't her favorite subject. She could be a doctor or a researcher or a mathematician, but she wouldn't like that as much. Oh well, I didn't give the others what they wanted, did I? Okay. (laughs) Mandy's a mathematician. Annie, something stylish and chic, but also challenging, like a magazine editor. (laughs) Nothing musical, because of a great as a friend she is, I'm not gonna lie, she's tone deaf. (laughs) Now the other kids at school. Brian, a landscaper. Janet, A drug dealer? You have no ambitions or no future for you. Oh my god, okay. Henry, a volcanologist. Beth, a hairdresser in a cheap salon. This is fun picking jobs for random people. I'll do more later. Right now, I'm gonna go do something. I would really like to do follow-up with those people and see where they are in life. I think that would be lovely. One of my favorite kinds of kid writing is correspondence. Letters from camp, letters to the editor, notes passed back and forth in class. But at our Winnipeg show, we heard a different kind of correspondence. When Isaac was eight years old, he wrote to little people who he believed were living in the walls of his house. And his mother wrote back as the little people. Please welcome to our stage, Isaac. And I will also add that for these little people who I believed were living in the walls of my house, I also 
built little houses and little toys for them to play at night while I was sleeping. <laughs> February 10th. Dear Tom and Lucy, you wrote me such a long letter, so I'll write you a long letter. My dad and Doug just adopted a baby boy. He's only like one month and a half old. He is so cute. Do you know any sports? How old are you? When is your birthday? By the way, can you play the banjo? Now enough with the questions. For your house tonight, I made some more sticky stuff. It is the blue glob. Did you go out of the glow-in-the-dark passageway I made last night? This night, please go out. I also made a skipping rope for you. Have you ever skipped rope? Have fun. Bye. From Isaac. P.S. For the person skipping rope, one person holds the rope and they spin it. The other person jumps over it. March 27th. I am sorry that I haven't written in a long time. Lots of questions. What books do you like to read and what author? On Wednesday, my friend is coming over to my house. He is coming over on Wednesday because it is spring break. What kind of technology do you have? Do you actually live in my house? If you do, you are amazing because you hide so well. Do you believe in magical creatures? I am thinking that you do because you kind of are magical creatures. <laughs> Got to go, Isaac. April 2nd. Hi, Tom and Lucy. Can I talk to you without writing to you? If you can, please hide behind my blue box with sponges on it. It is under the orange hanging tube. Please, please do it. Please do it at 7.30 a.m. on Monday. I hope you like the house I made you. I do believe in magic because I can do some magic. Did you watch the Junos with me last night on TV? <laughs> Got to go, Isaac. P.S. Don't forget you had to change your clocks ahead an hour last night. <laughs> Thank you. Isaac, ladies and gentlemen. I think what really strikes me about those letters is like the, the complete innocence and the absolute belief that I had at that time that there truly were little people living in my walls, um, which I think sort of reveals a bit about what was going on in my life at that time. Um, you know, my parents were separated. I was living, you know, with a single mom in Edmonton. Um, I think that there's just a lot of things in my life at that time that didn't really make sense. And so it didn't seem strange to me that I could be able to communicate with little people who lived in my walls who were invisible to anyone but me. I mean, I stopped writing the letters when I was 10, but I remember when I stopped writing, it was a huge disappointment to me. I think my mother actually told me, you know, you can't, you can't keep writing these letters anymore. I mean, my mother and I have like a very special relationship. I think we're completely, we're so, so close. And uh, I think that one of the reasons that we're so close today is because we share some of these sort of strange particularities in our history, such as, you know, having this very surreal nighttime correspondence.
Poetry is always popular at Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids, and our next reader, John, brought along two poems. He wrote the first one when he was seven or eight and staying home from school with the chicken pox. And as John explained on stage, the chicken pox were kind of miserable because they got in his armpits and behind his ears. And the worst part was that they got in my throat. And so I couldn't talk and I couldn't swallow for the, the pain of these pox. So at age seven or eight, this is what I wrote. Chicken pox, chicken pox. I wish I could put you in a box and send you to Jerusalem for people there to get them. And when you get into my throat, I wish that you were on a boat heading for Timbuktu for people there to get you. And let me just skip, let me just skip onward. So I liked obviously writing rhymes since I was a little kid. And I'll just skip to one from uh, poetry class in high school. I remember the English teacher uh, teaching us the Ballad of Sam McGee as the example. And then we're supposed to use that rhyme scheme and that meter to write our own little rhyme. Okay, so this was, this was mine from that day. At the top it says, read in a piratey accent. The Ballad of the Spotty Dog. I'll tell a scary story now, so throw another log. A tale to make your eyes roll back about a spotty dog. The spotty dog was wee enough, and sure, he did look kind, but he wore a grinning crazy look that got into your mind. I'd heard of these dogs in days gone past, but nothing like it now. They say it got that crazy look from the flesh of a mad cow. (laughs) You'd think the cow was mad from hanging with other cows of that ilk. (laughs) But truth be known, she's mad because we stole and drink her milk. So anyway, the spotty dog went nuts and killed a town. And he'll kill again because he killed the ones who'd hunt him down. Some say we do deserve the terror the spotty dog has brought us. But oh, the scourge, the reason why? Our lust for dairy products. John, ladies and gentlemen. When Matt was in elementary school, he had to keep a journal in class, and he used it not only to document his own life, but to document world events. And at our Winnipeg show, Matt brought along a few selections from grades 2 three, and four. October 17, day three. One day my cat had a baby kitten. Yesterday I found it. It was a miscarriage. I could not stop thinking about it last night. And I am not kidding. October 18, day four. 
Last night, my cat had another miscarriage. <laughs> Yesterday in San Francisco, there was an earthquake. 273 people died on the Golden Gate Bridge. I would hate to live there. 273 people did not die. May 15, 1991. Today I did some bead work. Thursday, January 24, 1991. Today I am going to my dad's place. Yesterday my mom went to a dance class. How do you like the war, Mr. Suderman? I don't know about you. But I feel like giving Saddam Hussein a bloody nose and a couple of popped-out eyeballs. <laughs> Thanks. One of the things I love about this kind of writing is how it can give us a very different perspective on history. We certainly heard that in Matt's journal about Saddam Hussein. But the Gulf War wasn't the only important event we heard about at our Winnipeg show. Our next reader, Jennifer, took us back to the year 1995 when she was 13. What happened in the year 1995? The Quebec referendum. We are going to hear Jennifer's reactions to the results as they came in from the 1995 Quebec referendum. Please welcome to our stage, Jennifer. October 27th, 1995, Friday. What an unfair and strange world we live in. I say this because of Quebec. <laughs> Quebec, which right now is a province of Canada, but in a few days it might not be. Quebec's having a referendum this Monday, the 30th of October, to see whether or not they will separate from the rest of Canada. It's so stupid. All of this has to do with politics. I don't really understand all the finer points of the referendum, but I do know that if Quebec leaves, it'll be a disaster for everybody all over Canada and Quebec. I don't think Quebec will be able to survive on their own. Canada is like a wolf. In fact, <laughs> in fact, that is a Canadian wolf. And I don't know if you can see, I glued in a picture of a wolf. Proud and strong. As a pack, we're even stronger. We must stay together. We might not have French immersion if Quebec separates. I went to immersion. What will happen to our bilingualism? So many questions. <laughs> So many questions and no answers. October 30th, 1995, Monday, 7 to 50 p.m. Today is referendum day. The polling booths closed a couple hours ago. We're watching the news to find out what's happening and if we'll still have a country when this is over. It's very close right now. The yes side is winning 51.7% to 48.3%. Only 14.3% of the polls have been counted so far. The no has come a very long way in the past hour. Everybody across the country is very tense today. As the people on the news said, no matter which side wins, somebody will lose a country. I have to practice piano now, so I'll write in a while. I wish I could watch. 
9.05 p.m. Yes, oh yes, it's still very close, but the no side is still winning. Everything is hanging by a thread, and I'm not sure who's holding the scissors. Maybe fate is. <laughs> Maybe fate is. 9.20 p.m. Yes, CBC, the TV station, just announced a... Dot, dot, dot. No victory! Capitals and exclamation mark. I'm glad that I live in Canada. We solved our problem through the form of a vote. If we lived in Bosnia or some other Asian or European country... I'm... <laughs> I might not be writing this right now. They, <laughs> they solve some, well, most of their problems through war. I'm glad we don't have wars here. Canada doesn't have an army. We have peacekeepers. Our, pe <laughs> Our peacekeepers go into war-stricken countries and keep peace after the war. War is not the way. On Star Trek, they talk about the... Th I was a big Trekkie. On Star Trek, they talk about the Third World War and post-nuclear post holocausts. <laughs> post-nuclear. They also talk about this happening during the 21st century. I hope we can get to Star Trek's world without these horrors of the 21st century. <laughs> I'm glad to live in United Canada. Quebec may try to separate. Monsieur Bouchard said that sovereignist things are not dead. They will try again, but I hope we'll remain united forever. Bye for now. Yay, United Canada! I knew how the story was going to end, and I was still riveted. It's beautiful. We have a very, very large number of people in the United States of America who listen to the Grown Ups Who Thinks They Wrote As Kids podcast, and I sometimes wonder how much of what we record here is going to translate in the United States, but I'm pretty sure that Canada is like a wolf. will be universally understood. A big part of learning to write is developing a style, finding your voice. But a lot of us start out by emulating other people's voices. I remember when I was growing up, I tried so hard to replicate the tone of Douglas Adams in The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And as you can imagine, I wasn't always successful. When Ian was in grade three, he tried to emulate one of his literary heroes by writing a Sherlock Holmes story. He describes it as really weird. Please welcome to the Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids stage, Ian. Sherlock Holmes and the Ancient Curse, Chapter One, The Strange Package. It was a dark and stormy night. Sherlock Holmes was playing his violin at 13 Baker Street. Then the old doorbell rang. Sherlock saw a package with twinkling stars around it at the wooden door. It had ancient writing. It said, Tomorrow you will find yourself in a pyramid. Suddenly, Sherlock was in the pyramid. <laughs> I'm in the pyramid, said Sherlock. <laughs> What's this? It's a note. He picked it up. It said, Go to the temple on the humongous mountain. What can I use to get there? Oh, there's a jeep. I'll get out of that big crack in the wall. Vroom, vroom, went the jeep. Okay, let's go to the temple. There it is up there. How am I going to get up there, said Sherlock. Oh, there's some mountain gear. I'll use it. 
Sherlock climbed the mountain. I'm in the temple. Sherlock knocked over a tombstone. A streak of lightning flew over him. Oh, there's a tombstone. I'll put it in a coffin. I'll bring the coffin to London for the police to see. He drove the jeep to London. What is it, said the chief. A coffin, said Sherlock. Open it, said the chief. It was McNish the Terrible. He was bloody red. His arms were spikes with two little spikes on each side. He had a blue mohawk. He has a peacemaker and a machete. Kill him. Boom. He's dead. Nice work, Sherlock. When our next reader, Jaden, signed up to read, she described growing up as a chubby girl who is often bullied. And as a seven and eight-year-old, she wrote about those bullying experiences in her journal. Live on stage in Winnipeg, here's Jaden. I wore a bikini for the first time today. I always wear a big shirt and panties, but my Auntie Vanessa bought me a bikini and I wore it to the docks. I was having fun making big splashes because I don't need a life jacket. (laughs) Then the big kids came. The big kids always ruin everything. Mary pointed at my tummy and she said, When are you having your baby? And all the big kids started laughing. Even Tyson laughed. I'm not pregnant. I'm only seven. And I just kissed a boy once. The other kids were all on Mary's side. Even my cousins were on Mary's side. They said, whales don't wear bikinis. Then Mary called me blubber and wouldn't stop saying blubber, blubber, blubber until I left the docks. I put my new bikini in the garbage and put toilet paper on top all over so my mom wouldn't see my new bikini in the garbage. (laughs) I cried. I wish I was skinny. Tomorrow, I'm gonna ask Mary if I can come play with her Barbies. And then I'm gonna bring a medicine thing, a syringe, (laughs) and go to her bathroom and use the medicine thing to put bleach in Mary's toothpaste. I bet she's gonna swallow it and then Mary will get sick and when she gets sick, she'll think about all the mean things she said and she'll be like, I'm sorry for saying those mean things, Jaden. And I'll be like, maybe you should wash your mouth more often. May 2002. Sally came to me at recess and kept pulling on my ears, and she kept saying, Dumbo, 
Dumbo, Dumbo, Dumbo, Dumbo, Dumbo. <laughs> she pulled on my big ears and it hurt. And everyone saw Sally doing it and everyone circled me and they asked if I could fly. Then I cried. This is my plan for Sally that I wrote. <laughs> Step one. Find clearing in the bush. Step two, dig holes in said bush. Step three, cover holes with pine trees, but not too much in brackets. Step four, tell Sally there's something cool in the bush. Step five, watch Sally fall into the holes and try to escape my death trap. Step six, victory, celebrate, pizza. For the record, Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids acknowledges that kids can be mean, but does not condone putting bleach in anybody's toothpaste. That is not a thing we are cool with. That is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. Our show was recorded live at the Kingshead Pub in Winnipeg and produced by Jenna Meisner. Our music is by Poddington Bear and Lullatone. Speaking of Winnipeg, we just announced another live event there in November, plus another live event in Montreal. For details or to sign up to read or to join the email newsletter where we announce new live events, just visit grownupsreadthingstheywroteaskids.com or even easier, follow the links on your device right now. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening. Listening.